welcome to Otter's Promise, Dave. How are you? Good, thanks. I'm uh, about to start my shift, we'll say. Yeah, this is um, official business. Standing behind the bar. Polishing glasses, giving advice. Yep. That's what barmen do, isn't it? Sure is. Someone came in one of the first nights we were open as a bar and they, I asked them if they were British and I asked them for, uh, asked them a question about uh, what Savaloys are in Britain. Because apparently what? you can't buy them. Savaloys? Savaloys. Savaloys. What's you know, the little savaloy? red sausages? Oh, little right. red skin sausages? I would have called it a footy frank. Okay. Uh, so I asked her what they call them in England because yeah. a friend of mine was looking for some and couldn't find them. And then she said, oh, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yep. And she had just had a, an incident with a man who she was out here visiting right. that resulted in her throwing all of his clothes off his balcony. I thought that only happened in the movies. No. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, the she was looking for a relationship advice, which I probably wasn't ready for. So yeah, right. Well, I mean, once you step behind the bar, you've got to be ready for that sort you of do, thing. You do, you yeah. do. So, got some news. What's the news? Oh, there's all sorts of news going oh, on. Oh, yeah? Let me just stall for time while I open sure. my notes. Okay. Uh, you got a pretty um, involved draw pattern password. Yeah, so. I accidentally did it one day and thought, oh, that's a cool one. And now it just annoys me. IBA, Independent Brewers Association yep. here in Australia. They've released sort of a... Um, what do you call it? A white paper? Uh, yeah, a little uh, bit of a um, some census information, mm. <laughs> for want of a much better phrase. Um, so it basically outlining the industry. Um, they they got consultants in to have a look at the industry as a whole and see, sort of chat to their members and get you know ideas on what the challenges are facing the industry. Uh, interesting reading. Crafty Pint and Bruce News did kind of a lot or some some good uh, articles about it. So. Th- Check those out. I thought about doing something, but uh, those guys pretty much have it covered. But I think we'll get Chris uh, the. the we'll get him. I think we'll do a Skype interview with him and get him to do a bit for the Patreon subscribers. Yep. Um, just kind of get his thoughts on the whole thing. If you want to find out about it, you know what to do. Yeah. Sling Thank us you buck. so much as well to the people that have already subscribed. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yep. And if you haven't, sling us a buck. Yeah. We'll uh, make it worth your while. So stay tuned for that. Um, hopefully this week I I'll get that one out. I just watched your um, draw pattern password again. It's, it's quite something. It's <laughs> so basic. Uh, bottling dates in the media again. Yes. A couple of things about that. Uh, so Crafty did, or Kerry McBride for Crafty Pint did a really good article about that. Did you read that? I did. Uh, I thought that was an excellent uh, piece. And then Bruce News followed it up with a story uh, with Charlie Bamforth talking about how... Nine months is far too long for IPAs. A year is ridiculous. You know, three months is the golden number. And uh, so he kind of weighed in on that as well. And then uh, Greg Cook from Stone weighed in and said that, uh, or he was asked actually in an interview with Matt Curtis for Good Beer Hunting, he was asked about the whole issue that when it came up a while back and his answer was a bit nothing, I thought. Did you read that? No, I didn't say that. Yeah, it was, I don't know. He kind of... Do you think it was non-committal because of his previous stance on the issue? I think so. And I don't – look, I don't think – they are clearly setting a double standard, which is fine, but they're not really owning it. You know, he's saying – he's sort of saying, you know, we have to change the language for the market because – and he used the example of, like, date code, the actual format of the date being different. As an example of needing to change the language. Yeah. But that's a different thing. That's that's different altogether. Uh, So – yeah, I'm. Looks, it's an issue that I've I've been a little bit vocal about. So I don't know. Yeah, Re- read all like the I'm, other. I'm real. I'm really comfortable with people changing their minds on things. Yep. Because I think that's a natural thing people do. Yep. But something so fundamental is suspect to me. Yeah. Anyway, read all the other articles about it uh, and, and form, yeah. form your own opinion. Um, speaking of Crafty Pint and Bruce News, both those sites have been putting out some excellent articles lately. Absolutely. Uh, Crafty Pint did a big sort of overall industry uh the shape of the industry which is awesome reading there's a little infographic to come go along with that um and james atkinson at, at bruce news has been doing some good articles so yeah good work guys it's good yep. to see um good to see the industry sort of being questioned on a few things lately and you know it's important yeah it is i mean when everyone's kept accountable and everyone's keeping people accountable then um there's not many places to hide uh feral brewing uh, won more awards did they they uh cha- did champion they champion brewery at the perth Royal show thing They make some really good beers I think um, It's highlighted to uh, Melbournians And Victorians um, 
during gabs when yes. they have made a, uh, a habit of sort of having a 12 tap mm. display at gabs festival mm. and you can spend half a session at feral and you just go wow that's, mm. these are all like really really high quality beers so i'm not surprised in the slightest that they're um I bought a four-pack of Hop Hog recently and loved it. And it's so long since I've actually sat down with a couple of those. And, man, it was good. Mm. really holds up that beer. Um, you know, even with, you know, Warhog becoming one of my favorite beers recently and yep. all the, the new and flaky stuff they do, Hop Hog, Winner. Still, still goes. Malt Shovel, which is the James Squire – they brew James Squire beers, yep. which is – just call it James Squire. Yeah, it's so confusing. Um, they – uh, creating a distribution um, under Malt Shovel. So they're kind of rebranding Malt Shovel. I don't know what that means for the James Squire brand, how if they're going to... Because as, as it is now, it's the Malt Squire Brewery... Oh, sorry, Malt Shovel Brewery, they make James Squire beers. Yes. Uh, and then Malt Shovel also make beers that aren't James Squire sometimes. But now they're doing Malt Shovel as a distribution arm, so I wonder if James Squire is just going to become the brewery. Yeah, not. we'd hope that just gets cleaned up a little bit because I um and but I I saw that they were looking for people to work for Malt Shovel. I emailed the PR that w- I get emails from or, or freebies from from them and said, "Hey, are you guys changing Malt Shovel? You know, can someone up for some questions about it?" And the response was, "Yep, I'll get someone to look at that ASAP." Got nothing back. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then I noticed uh, both Crafty and and uh, Bruce News had some articles about it. I kind of wonder. Where we sit on the chain <laughs> after that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But anyway, keep an eye on what they're up to. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, what else on the list there? Six String uh, clarified, this was in Bruce News as well, a uh, sale that they they were rumoured to be up for sale, uh, Queensland based brewery. And they have come out and said, we're not actually sale up for sale, we're looking for investors, but we might sell. It was a little right. bit confusing. But they're in a, uh, a transition period yeah, of yeah. some kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of on the back of The Rocks Brewing brewing Company selling their brew pub um, and then maybe selling their brand if they get the right offer. And Brewcult are uh, sort of no longer really existing as well. So it's not great signs for those kind of, um, I don't know, middle-sized brands uh, that, you know, people, people accept as part of the scene. Uh, look like they might be having a few issues. I've heard anecdotally there are sort of other other brands struggling with, as you said, the transition. Yeah, I've of heard the industry. A whisper of something else as well that I might talk to you later about. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Ooh, we know stuff. So support your local brewery if you're uh, if you want to see them survive. If you enjoy their wares, there's one direct way of uh, helping them along. Yes, yes. Go buy their beer, and and tell a friend about their beer. Yeah. Uh, modern times. Speaking of, of sales, they have sold Did they? to their employees. So they're now employee-owned um, and they've kind of come out and said this is a way to guard against any future brand sales. We've got to make sure that the, everyone has a fair say and um, has a fair share. So good on them. Yeah, I like that. I like their beers. We don't get them at no, all here, do we? Not really. I've I don't even know if I've had any of them. I've had a couple in New Zealand. They yeah. them, um over there. Uh, Through... Beers of that borders? I think so, yeah. yeah. And one of them on tap, I can't remember which one it was. It was a red one. It's lovely. Really lovely. I think but they're, they're one of those fun, exciting uh, buzz. Yeah. Um, they do. And they do some interesting things. They have their own coffee roasting and stuff like that. And yeah, they seem like a fun brand. Yeah. Did you see the Holgate and Great Northern? Yeah. Odd spat. What's your recap on it? Uh, well, the, the crux of the issue is that Great Northern have had a long time they've served their Holgate ESB. On hand pump, always lovely on hand pump there as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, mm. uh, and now the a new deal between Holgate and probably many of their venues is that uh, if they want to get casks of uh, ESB, they also have to. Um, I don't know what what the conditions are, but have another tap there as well. Yeah, so I think basically they don't really make ESB at all anymore. It used to be a kind of a core product, yep. and now it's uh, they do it for you know special tap takeovers, and that's about it. I think they've come to them and said, look, we you'll need to be buying more product if yep. we can keep providing this, which is pretty reasonable. Absolutely reasonable. And they, yeah, Great Northern came out, I think it was 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning or something like that. They really, they really appeared to 
throw the toys out of the pram. Yeah, yeah. And they so they took a photo of a Holgate keg across the road and said we'll never be pouring their beer again because they've made demands on us that you know amount to tap contracts and what the big players do. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I think there's a well, this, this is a phase, a, a new phase starting in the industry where different business tactics need to be used and will be used to um, allow some businesses to get better leverage um, and better better profits that are so hard to come by for a lot of small businesses. So I don't think it's an unusual move by Holgate and I think it's a bit of a, a real overreaction from uh, Great Northern. completely agree and I, I really like the Great Northern. Uh, it's a great pub. I've had some great beers there, some great palmers there. But yeah, I think they um, they went about it the wrong way. Yeah, I think so. And look, they've they uh, had issue with Thunder Road a while back. I'm not sure if it's still the case, but their toilet flush was the Thunder Road tap uh, for a while there. So I guess they're not afraid to wear their heart on the sleeve. So uh, yeah, I think they're savagely against the idea of having any kind of tap contracts, which is um, it's kind of admirable. But uh, you've got to pick your battles, though. You know, if it was me, take it off. Don't buy their beer if you disagree, and then find someone else to to do that. Uh, I think they are, they probably are under the impression that everyone that knows what they're about thinks tap contract equals always bad. So they're happy to get right on the front foot and do that. But I think it moved a little bit past that, and mm. um, they might have they might just be a half step behind the curve on that one. I think. Yeah. I also Holgate have been making really good beers lately. Amazing beers lately. The uh, what do we have? The Alpha Crucius. Alpha Crucius. Yeah, that was delicious. Up in Bendigo, we had that. Mm. Um, sour bread Sour bread is phenomenal hmm. uh, So those guys are doing really well hmm. That's all I have That's fun You got any news? Uh, news? No I don't So many news Should we throw to our chat with David Neeks? Uh, do you want to talk about the, the Starwood thing at the top or the bottom? Oh you do it now Yeah oh, Okay cool um, Well uh, I can't even remember when it was now Two weekends ago? I think so yeah But I went to the Tallboy and Moose Starwood Whiskey Red Bean Coffee Coffee Beer and Whiskey event at Starwood Whiskey. Uh, hashtag invite. Hashtag freebie. Um, uh, pretty interesting events because the sort of the crux of what they were doing there was uh, they had a bunch of beans from Red Bean barrel aged. So uh, they used a Starwood whiskey barrel to barrel age some beans before they were used um, in coffee. Then they used the coffee to spritz a cream ale, which they also did a, a stout that had the cold brew in it. And then they also served a cold brew coffee from the barrel aged beans. And that was a weird experience because <laughs> the beans did pull a fair amount of character from the whiskey barrel. Yeah, which is you wouldn't th- – I wouldn't – yeah. I, didn't, well, I wouldn't even thought about it ever, yeah. about having that, like so how that would work. Modern Times that we spoke about earlier yeah. I think kind of pioneered that. Right. One, one of the first to do it and they do it pretty regularly. So you can have a coffee subscription from them and they'll send out their different versions of that. So Well, it was, um, it was, a, it was a great cold brew coffee but it had – Super distinct aromas of whiskey and also like a little bit of a fla- like a whiskey flavor profile. And I was assur- like, I asked the question if it extracted any alcohol with it, and the answer was no. But and given that, it's a very, very odd experience because yeah, yeah. um, whiskey is probably one of the most bold aromas of any spirit, I guess. And when it's so present, for it to be not alcoholic at all was um, very odd. Would you? Do it as a home bean for a while if you're making coffee at home? Or is it no, too? no, too much for yeah. me, I think. Very interesting, but hmm. um, not for your Sunday morning with the paper and your... Then the, it's capped off with um, a nip of the Solera, which was the whiskey that they um, conditioned the barrel with. Highlight for me was the Welcome Cocktail was an old-fashioned and it was fantastic. It was so delicious that it made me like annoyed because I think I have to buy whiskey now. <laughs> or just go somewhere that makes good old yeah, fashioned. Yeah, I guess so. The good old fashioned is seriously one of the best things. Yeah, so I had such a great time. But also, it was, I think it's, I can't remember what time it started. I think it might have been midday. Mm. And then it would, so even in walking into um, Starwood Distillery at midday is a bit confronting. Yeah. You open the door <laughs> and it just smells like whiskey. And it's yeah. a little bit like, whew, fear of a hangover, which a lot of people did on after, after a Saturday night. 
It's a bit tough. And then to yeah. be handed an old-fashioned, it's a bit of a task. But yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed mine. Awesome. All right, let's throw to our, our main interview with mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx and David Neitz from Brumanity. Yep. Uh, people might know David Neitz. Yep. Fear not, I asked all the important football questions. I actually, like truth be told, I really had to stop myself from going into football question mode. Oh, you could, you should have. It would have been... I reckon he's dealt with it way too yeah. much in his life. It is interesting. I mean, I don't know much about his football playing days. It sort of predates my time in Australia for the most part. But um, he seems to have transitioned out of football life pretty pretty well into yeah, definitely. doing beer stuff. Yeah, and, um, uh, and it's like, I think we sort of talk about the... Um, gimmick nature or gimmick potential of something like this but from chatting to him a couple of times now it's not a gimmick at all they're in it for the right reasons and they've got good contacts and they've got good people around them and i mean we drank a few uh the beast is that what it was called social beast social beast it's good beer yeah have a listen to the chat and uh it was a good chat they were both very generous um with their time and conversation uh i think it was a good one yeah and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come catch back. you on the flip side with some wrecks. Hey everyone, just a note before we get into this chat, we did have an issue with some of the hardware about halfway through and I didn't pick it up until I sat down to edit it today. Uh, basically when David Neitz was explaining kind of the background about getting into uh, motor neuron disease, the the charity related to that, and his relationship with Neil Danaher, uh, who used to be his coach at the Melbourne Demons uh, AFL team. Uh, so they had a really close relationship as, as coach and captain with the team for, for a number of years there. And Neil Danaher um, has since gone on to get uh, MND and become somewhat of a spokesperson for the disease, uh, organising events, um, particularly one, uh, the Big Freeze, held annually here in Melbourne. Apologies for that. It was probably a lot better hearing it from from the horse's mouth than, than me. We'll check into the equipment and make sure it doesn't happen again. There might be another couple of little edits throughout the, the show, which sound a little bit weird. Hopefully you enjoyed anyway. Cheers. Hey Dave. Are we going already? We are, are going, yeah. Fantastic. Welcome to the Coopers and you've been here before. Yeah, very close to my workplace. We have a lot of work functions here. Alright, um, it's a good pub. They've got some good beers on tap. One yeah. of the beers they have on tap is the Brumanity Social Beast and we have the team behind that beer here. David Neitz and Jamie Fox. how's it going? It's going very well. Really Thank you very price. much Thank guys. Uh, good to be here. It's, um, I haven't been to this pub and I've walked past it a bunch of times and when I looked at the taps they had on I thought, shit, there's two or three beers that I'd happily drink, so... Yeah, so well, it's um, the, the boys have just taking taken it over the Okane yeah. boys, and um, Jamie knows them well. So um, yeah, Matt Matt uh, Matt's, uh, had a history back at CUB, but he was also uh, worked at Beer Deluxe for quite a while. So oh, he I thought really he looked familiar into, into that that uh, that sort of craft scene, and he's he's brought that into what what you'd call a mainstream pub in the city, but he's brought some of that in. So yeah. you know, every post a winner for the cause. Yeah, mm. they were, they were the, the whole thing. I think they want to do is make a community pub feel within the city. So um, that's that's their their sort of bent on things. So yeah, it hopefully goes well. One of the hardest things to do is find a pub to have a quiet beer in the city and know you're going to get a good beer and a quiet pub yeah. or a good pub. Yeah. Um, so it's good to know this possible. Yeah. It is an improvement, by the way. It didn't know what it used to be. This yeah, group. okay. This was a big um, uh, uh, Matilda Bay range pub. Yeah. So you'd often get a reasonably, well, it was a bit of a crapshoot how fresh it was. You'd get a <laughs> fresh keg of Alpha Queen and you were laughing. Mm. A couple of <laughs> bottles of Dog Bolter in the fridge. Yep. No right. worries. Yeah. Or... Maybe it wasn't so fresh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They also have the brewery fresh Carlton tanks. They do. Um, yeah. they do but yes. they had uh, the one that, you know, a little chalkboard brewed on the 26th. Yeah. The journal, yeah, right. uh, you know, packaged on the 26th, I yeah. guess. Uh, that's fresh beer. Yeah. You know, it's hard to, hard to begrudge beer coming out that fresh. True enough. Uh, so, can you guys tell us about Brumanity? Who wants to f- start with this? Dave. Dave, better start. Yeah, I'll start. So, um, so Brumanity sort of came about uh, with a few guys who who love a beer, talking about uh, doing good things through beer um, uh, quite a few years ago. Um, and then, I guess, um, 
with uh, we've got a connection with uh, Neil Danaher, who I used to play AFL footy back in in my uh, in my youth and in my past. Dave's going to field any AFL questions. <laughs> over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we had a connection with Neil Danaher through that, uh, and he was doing um, he was doing a lot of fundraising for the motor neuron disease. Um, we were interested in in starting a beer. We were probably it all happened way too quickly, and we didn't really plan on this happening at that time. But we figured if we're talking about it, why don't we do something about it and mm. and, uh, and actually start a beer? And um, uh, and part of our thing that we want to do is give a little bit back. Um, so uh, yeah, give it back to the foundation. Um, so that was so we decided to do a thing uh, that we wanted to call the most charitable happy hour in Victoria. So we did. Uh, a brewmanity hour, and we had about fifty odd pubs around town who were very generous, and and um, basically we had the happy hour. All the funds from the, the happy hour went to the cause, and we ended up raising some funds that way. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it's been uh, what, over a year and a half now, and we've um, sort of refined our initial beer. We've moved on from our initial beer, really, um, and refined a few things about who we are and what we want to be, um, and and yeah, sort of enjoying enjoying the craft journey so far. Uh, Jamie, what's your background? Because I know, you know, obviously, David, you've played AFL, but what's, how did you fit into the beer world? Oh, you might remember my uh, stunning football career at Athelstan Football Club in Adelaide as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone knows that. I don't have to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, besides, uh, since you hung the boots up, yeah. what's been happening? Since, yeah. Since the boots. Um, yeah, well, guys, uh, you know, no secret, I worked at uh, CUB for about 17 years. I started as a, a sales rep around, around Melbourne. Um, actually looked after this pub. Um, went through and uh, was actually one of the founding members of the new Matilda Bay, Mark II. Uh, with Jamie Cook and Brad Rogers mm. and Ross Jurisic back in the day. The one we all uh, miss, <laughs> basically. <laughs> That's right, yeah, the one we all miss. And, uh, you know, sort of I remember the day where I was sort of, um, you know, helping uh, helping sort of get the uh, bee's knees together down at the Stockade Brewery in Dandy South and working customers. It was really a great time because it was like working in your own little brewery within a massive corporation, which was great. And... Uh, Ended up uh, doing um, as a marketing manager for Kraft. Um, so, you know, part of the team that launched Fat Yak, um, uh, Big Helga, uh, Minimum Chips, uh, all of the, uh, all those famous, uh, famous beers, um, for, for better or worse. And, uh, you know, probably guilty as charged for a lot of things uh, <laughs> over my past from the craft beer community. <laughs> but I guess... I, I, got think, out of there, uh, I think we might have given you a kicking on the show yeah, uh, by proxy. Uh, sorry. Probably. <laughs> probably. But, uh, you know, like one thing one thing we did was we had a little core of uh, probably 10 or 15 people that were absolutely passionate about beer. And we had the best toys in town. Um, we had the best budgets in town. Uh, we were probably the fat kid in the schoolyard for many years. But, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun and uh, did that. And then I went over to um, AB InBev for, for a couple of years as a regional uh, area manager for Australia New Zealand. So... Counted beer in millions of hectolitres. Now uh, with Dave, I'm counting them in six packs. <laughs> Which is Mate, I, and I'm glad that I can bring you down to earth because uh, <laughs> from the fat kid in the schoolyard, yeah. one of the first things that, that I made Foxy do is every time if you pick if anyone's out there and they pick up a six pack of the uh, Social Beast, just have a look at those uh, the barcodes. Yeah. Every single one of them has to find their way onto the top of those plastic. Uh, <laughs> Plastic uh, Lord, carriers somehow. Yeah. That was Foxy's yeah. job. <laughs> so, so all by hand. Yeah. All by hand. And you didn't do that hand. at ABN Bev, did you? No. 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 <laughs> there, was, there was Robot 23A. <laughs> <laughs> did that for sure. For sure. Uh, what did you take from then that experience, then applying it to, to Brumanity? Yeah. Um, what, what I took was, uh, you know, there was, there's discipline in doing things the right way. Um, I think craft beer is a great community and there's so much noise going on and that sort of stuff, but sometimes it can be like kids playing football that we're all chasing the same ball. So, you know, I like to like to sort of think that, you know, we, I can sort of bring some corporate structure but use the timelines of being, you know, a small little nimble company and, and, and doing things on the run and doing them in the right way. So, um, you know, there's that. And I, I think there's just access to, through my past, a lot of great contacts in, in you know, the brewing industry and... Uh, you know, Dave Cryer and the Batani guys and uh, uh, certainly working with Mick, Mick Jontef. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of great stuff that uh, we can bring back into the fold. Yeah, well, uh, Foxy and I were sort of mates 
uh, and and was chatting to Foxy. I'm not sure whether I should say this or not, Foxy, but was chatting with Foxy when, when we were talking about when we were talking about these uh, crazy ideas of, of actually starting a beer. We we haven't quite got the funds to start the brewery at this stage, uh, but Foxy was was uh, part of that initial conversation, which was uh, which was which was fantastic. But but then to sort of uh, bring the team back together, if you like, a couple of years or a year and a half or two years down the track, I guess, has been a really a really nice thing for us to all sort of come back to. Uh, to this idea that we were it was sort of you know, had originally thinking about and, and, and start to really um, probably hopefully take it to another level. Yeah. So tell us about the, the beer you've got, um, which is the Social Beast, which is kind of the, the main beer. You've brewed a couple of others, is that right? Yeah, we've brewed a couple of others, but yeah, you're right. The uh, the Social Beast is the main main beer, pale ale. So it's that you know that Pacific style, I guess, of, uh, of pale ale. But um, yeah, we've got the, the the big secret hops, which is probably not not quite as um, pronounced fruitiness, um, and we've got a bit of ella going on there early in the boil as well. So it's a um, it's probably more of a traditional style pale ale, but it's got um, that sort of Pacific um, sort of citrus and pineapple uh, flavour to it as well. So um, so no, it's been it's been. Probably we started with a one one for one we called it, which was that fundraising beer, and we've still got the same hops, but we've played with it and we played with it so much that it got to a point where this is not <laughs> anything close to the original beer, so we changed it and moved it into the social social beast, and um, so we've done that, which is great. No, I mean it's a it's a it's a really you know refreshing beer. It's got those citrus characters which you really get our big secret, um, but it's also got a. A pleasant gravity to it, you know. There's there's some substance and body underneath the beer, so it's uh, you know de- dare I say the word sessionable, but but it's got some gravity to it. So well, yeah, that's when I first tasted it, and <clears throat> uh, I'm pretty cynical about you know um, anything that sort of I guess contract brewed and then then uh, for a charity, you kind of think oh, okay, it's going to be one of those kind of middle of the road yeah, right. things. Um, that's just my my own cynicism because. There have been We've a lot of happened before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But then I taste it. I'm like, there's a really nice bitterness there. Um, it still has that nice fruitiness. It's got that just the sharp, clean finish. I really like. This is a beer that I'd happily drink a six pack of. Mm. Yeah, that, that, look, that's what we were really keen to be able to do. We 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 sort of anticipate that kind of cynicism, but we want to make sure that um, in our own mind, at least, and that th- the beer is king. The beer is the ruler of what we do. And yes, we've got some uh, some aims to do from a community point of view and supporting the foundation, but none of that happens unless the beer's good. <laughs> so, um, and we're beer lovers mm. at the at the core of what mm. we what we're doing anyway. So, um, so yeah. But you're right. It has got the it's got potential to go off into another little juggernaut, and you kind of can potentially forget about the beer. But we're certainly keen to, to to make sure that the beer stands up. And then you know we've got some other beers. Um, we did a double Australian pale ale. Um, we did that uh, for Good Beer Week last year, and we teamed up with the boys at Bolter for that one. With Scotty uh, and Mick got together for that one. But that was uh, it was probably mixed one of Mick's passion. He lo- he loves high elk beers. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got That's not a cliche for surfers at oh, all. Uh, <laughs> So he's uh, he's got the brewer's legs; he can drink anything. <laughs> but um, but look, it was a the, it was a really dangerous beer. It was it was a beautiful um, beautiful beer. We we probably could have called it a session IPA if we really wanted to, but it wasn't, so we didn't. Yeah, it was. Um, in mid sixes, wasn't it? Mid six percent. Six point nine. It was. Yeah, yeah. you'd yeah. find yourself in trouble if you called that. Yeah. Now, I think. Yeah. It was yeah. damn dangerous. Yeah. I think I might have found <laughs> myself in trouble. <laughs> I really like the idea of calling something a double Australian pale. Uh, like I know, we've, I've been saying, little creatures should do a double pale for a yeah, long time. I mean, so it's exactly what it is. Yeah. That, that, I mean, and me. the Australian style, this you know, kind of fruity, fruit forward with a nice bitterness, lends itself to being boosted a little bit. To, to being a little bit bigger without being a huge American style IPA. But creatures haven't listened to us yet. Have no, they, they still yeah. haven't listened Can't to us. Either. It'd be a nice winter special edition, wouldn't it? Like, so you could, you know, keep on the pale hours all year long and do a double during winter. Yeah. We might do that, Foxy. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's about $100 an hour yeah. for, for <laughs> any idea. <laughs> and 10% of sales. Uh, how do you go from um, playing in the AFL, uh, which most people see as, you know, drinking a lot of lager not really appreciating beer as what people see craft as. How, how does that – how do you then start drinking craft beer? Yeah, well, um, I, I guess that that's probably right. I was 
pretty much a traditional beer drinker um, all through really my, most of my cry, uh, playing career um, and dabbled every now and then. Um, but I guess for me, I went after I finished, I went, my partner and I, we went um, overseas for four months. We uh, toured around, sort of, uh, you know, started the, the typical sort of thing, London, Europe, all that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> we actually got, uh, we, got we, we, were, we were two months travelling around Europe in non-English speaking companies, just her and I, and got to a point where we thought, you know what, we're kind of a bit sick of each other. <laughs> we were going to go to Lake Como, the beautiful romantic Lake Como, and both of us kind of agreed. We had some friends that were in Belgium, and we said, yeah, I think we need to go to Belgium and catch up with some match. <laughs> yeah. so, so you go that way and I'll go that way. And so we ended up... Um, we ended up going to some really good uh, beer beer venues while we were while we were over there, and then went through Germany and all those sort of great beer making places. And that probably kicked off for me. That was what two thousand and nine, and that just opened my eyes a little bit more to um, to different styles, different flavors. Um, and I guess probably like most people, I just started developing an interest in in different flavorful beers. Any beers that you remember from that trip that stand out to you? What did we, we go to? We went to a little place called the Delirium in Belgium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's a, the it was an amazing little bar. And I don't remember that much apart from <laughs> I don't smoke and I ended up smoking that night. <laughs> <laughs> I've, but, uh, I've never actually been there, uh, but I've heard it's a very smoky tourist touristy place where there's a lot of beer and yeah. a lot it was of interesting amazing, but, he, but we went in and the glassware was just phenomenal. Like I'd never seen anything like that before. The different flavours and the, there were fruit beers and there were, you know, there were all sorts of, uh, of styles of beers. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was an eye-opener, that sort of experience for me. Um, yeah, and then just sort of continue from there. Mm. What did you do post-career up until starting this? So what did I do? I um, I ended up I was working in sort of the marketing type sponsorship type roles. So I worked. Uh, I went, actually did a bit of work for the footy club in in that space, and then did a bit of work with Swiss Vitamins of all things, health brand uh, in their sponsorship team. Um, and then yeah, went from went from there. Pretty much, I guess I was. Um, it was a, it, it ticked a lot of boxes. In, from a lot of perspectives, I suppose. Still a bit of a sport focus, which I'm obviously passionate about, but I really wasn't loving what I was doing. So, um, yeah, I just started exploring what is it that I feel passionate about, what is it that I want to want to do, and <laughs> crazily enough, um, mm. yeah, starting a beer sounded like a good idea. What could go wrong? What could possibly <laughs> go wrong? <laughs> did you have QMND in mind when you were thinking about this from the very beginning, or did that come along as no. well? Initially, and probably hence the name, the name probably doesn't make much sense anymore, but we had it, we stuck with it. But um, we, in our conversations, as I was saying, it was, it was, we wanted to do a beer that gave back. I remember when he first announced it, I'd never heard of it either. And I reckon it's probably um, a similar story for most, for most of Victorians slash Australians around, the, like everywhere. Um, and I remember the, the first thing he said was, this isn't going to help me, but it's, hopefully it's going to help someone. And he hasn't stopped. He's only ramped it up since then. So it's really staggering. Yeah, he's. Um, he. Uh, I, I just heard recently. He didn't tell me this, but um, of all the the trials and all that sort of stuff, he's refusing himself to go in to the trials, which could potentially help him, because he doesn't want it to be to be seen that he's doing it because of. He wants to just to be seen that he's doing it because of for for everyone else. <laughs> it's just unbelievable it, selflessness. Is that? I'm guessing that's the the nail that you know from your playing days. Then he's kind of that kind of person. Well, you don't know what someone when you're faced with a life and death sort of situation. You don't know how anyone's going to react. But certainly, as a coach, he was such a resilient character, and he was always, um, I guess, um, taking the heat for the players and all of those kind of things. So, in a way, you 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 you're not that surprised, but but still, it's a pretty phenomenal um, stance to take. Yeah. So how does the um, beer support in what way, like uh, financially, what goes towards the, the charity? So what, what we sort of do, it's um, sort of a multifaceted approach that we take. Um, we do a, a part of every beer sale. We, start, we started doing um, a percentage of profits and we've got that in our constitution, that a minimum of a 10% of our profits need to have to go to the foundation 
sort of forever and a day. But we quickly found as a young craft brewer, profits are very hard to come by. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we thought this is no good. Um, you know, we're telling people what we, you know, that we're for the foundation and we're not doing anything. So we changed that around to we worked with the with the foundation about um, just just making a um, for every sale. There's a portion of every sale goes to the foundation. And look, we're a um, we're a um, small margin, high volume business, all that kind of thing. But it's a, so it's only a small margin of each sale, but a part of each sale goes to the foundation. And then we do our events. You know, we've done Good Beer Week. We did Beer versus Beast. We've done a few other bits and pieces. Uh, and we've, so we've raised as a combination just over 150,000 now in a, what a year and a half, which is which has been good for yeah. for for our little beer dream to to have have a bit of an impact is is good. Mm. We've <laughs> we've probably spent that much money and <laughs> lost that much money as well in the beer. We should have just given them a donation. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much sticking of six packs on the barcode. <laughs> Building a platform, though. Yeah, a platform. exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. We're so it's brewed at Colonial, is that? Yes. Um, and what's the? I guess what's the plan? Keep, keep brewing it there until you, you get your own place, or keep brewing it there indefinitely, or how does that look? Well, we started off sort of just gypsying around a little bit, really, um, and then yeah, we when the whole thing was going on with Colonial taking over um, the the old Matilda Bay site that got us a bit excited uh, and we started chatting to those guys in the, in the lead up and yeah thankfully we were the, we were the first um, uh, guy, brand that was I guess that was able to brew out of there. It was a really good partnership that we could go in and um, Mick could help um, the guys there uh, and we had a, it was just a really easy relationship so and it continues to that day. Mick was uh, he was head of development brewing development at uh, CUB so he Mick did all sorts of things. I mean, Carlton Cold, uh, you know, was helping uh, different brewers with uh, with uh, Matilda Bay beers or Cascade beers and all that sort of stuff. So his uh, his knowledge is incredible, you know, and his contacts around the world in brewing are just amazing. And, uh, you know, like he can go and turn on the most awkward little brewery he's only seen by sight and get it up and running. Yeah, so, I mean, and the relationship's been great. So we're able to sort of go in there and... Um, have a really good open discussions with the guys there. I mean, we were able to do an ice block for, for Gabs this year with them, which was um, a great Which could collab- have broken the brewery. Which could have broken the brewery, but we put it out there. We said, look, um, uh, the foundation, again, the foundation is foundation-led. They do the big freeze at the G, ice bucket challenges for MND. So we said, we've got to do an ice block and it must happen here. I never made that connection um, when I saw the beer in the, the Gabs guide. I never made the connection of the ice box and the ice bucket challenge, but that was obviously the the kind of the high profile MND global fundraising thing. So it's a really good idea. Yeah, we, we <laughs> I'm just clicking in my mind now. <laughs> yeah, we, we, exactly, we thought it'd be good, and and you know, it's a it's a difficult beer to attempt. It got the whole brewery, everyone in, around the place was excited about doing it. <laughs> it was good too. Did you have it? I don't think I tried it. Yeah, no. It was good. Well, Ash, Ash had a conniption. He'd only just taken over the uh, the brewery about a month earlier. This was agreed prior to Ash starting. Yeah, yeah. And then he he said to You're me, what? mate, he said, mate, it's not going to happen. <laughs> have you got a plan B? So well, we did have a plan B and a plan C, yeah. but thankfully we didn't need that. And we were able to, um, to, to, to sort of freeze the, the, the beer down, get some ice. We essentially shut the brewery down for the weekend. It takes all the glycol from the whole brewery. So you've you've got to, you know, and they're, they're jackets there. So you've got to you've got to dedicate all the resource to sort of one tank. So we we, we were kind of lucky that mm. that we it was a we picked a, it was a good period. There wasn't much wasn't well there wasn't much. There was a lot going on, but not every tank was full and things. So we're able to anyway we're able to freeze it and get it down mm. and create a uh, a really good beer in the end. That that was the other the other thing we ne- no one had ever really made a nice block before. Mick yeah. had. Mm. Um, but we thought, is this going to actually taste any good after all? Of, after all of this, we we figured that it would, and Mick was confident yeah. that it would. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and thankfully, yeah. thankfully it did. Exactly. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, visiting some regional areas recently when we spoke the other day, uh, and you know, standing behind a little table and trying to get people to taste your beer. How did that go? I guess craft where um, it was it was eye opening in the, because you got gets I guess caught up in your in the craft bubble a little bit and you and the different beers that you're having and then what you do but going into um uh it was, it was in first choice uh liquor stores 
uh, which we were stocked. So please go and buy them. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria only at the stage. Victoria, yeah, yeah. we're we're, we're and vintage sellers as well. So and, and and all the independent, all the good ones. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, we uh, we were in. I think I remember Shepparton in Shepparton on Tuesday night in Shepparton. And I um, asked someone if they'd like a little sample of the social beast and the guy looked at me as if I was offering him some poison. <laughs> so, oh, no, I couldn't possibly. And um, and uh, I thought I must be drinking, I don't know, Jim Beam and Coke or something. He just doesn't like beer. I look around about five minutes later, he's got five slabs of Carlton, six slabs of VB. And I said, mate, are you sure you don't want to taste <laughs> at the end of the day? No, no, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was eye-opening. So we're still got a, way, a ways to go. But look, on the other hand, it was really pleasing that um, a lot of places, a lot of people willing to give it a, give it a go. A lot of women were really keen to yeah. give it a go and give it a try. And that's the like, perfect example of, bloke coming in he's getting exactly what he drinks every every weekend and i don't care about anything else and i don't want any of that fancy bloody girly stuff that craft beer it's too bitter whereas women are like yeah i'll try that and that sounds that tastes interesting and because it's a different mindset than oh, i agree i think women as women as you know as for, you look at the wine drinkers and you know the, the the growth in sort of Sauvignon Blancs and those really grassy, acidic. Uh, you know, also like you know Nelson Sauvignon hops bring those sort of flavours together. Yeah. That, that women get those flavours a whole lot better. You know, I and think they're also just more prepared to discuss it amongst themselves what they're tasting. Like we've been to all the Gabs uh, festivals pretty much, and if you ever wander around, the people you hear talking about the beers mostly is the groups of girls. Yeah. It's interesting. My girlfriend's from Shepparton originally. We went to a Christmas time there and Great Northern, uh, Great Northern Lager was definitely like last Christmas. Everyone had it in their hands except for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, the, the splitter. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I was amazed that that brand was, you know, it's got so much market penetration and I didn't even consider that being a, you know, I would never see it down there. Um, it's also a mid strength, isn't it? No, I think there's two oh, versions. Li- oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, and it's kind of, it is kind of cool we can go to Shepparton and, you know, hopefully get a social beast. Get a, um, we get, had some feral when we were there last time. So beer's getting there, but it's kind of, you know, take it someone is. handing people the beer physically. Look, it, look, it is getting there. And, you know, it was interesting. We went to um, to Bendigo as well. and, and That's a different it, town though, isn't well, it? Well, event, yeah. events like Bendigo on the hop, um, but all of a sudden people were all over. They knew what they were, they were talking about. They came in, they knew what to expect. And they, it was it was fantastic and a really vibing sort of scene up there and um, that was fantastic. Hey. So you can see that the more of these things that, that, that happen and uh, the more that we do, it's just going to keep growing and, and flavour will you'll dominate at some you'll, stage. You'll never, you know, like I, I was doing a first choice tasting and I asked the guy, do you want to try this social beast? And he said, not for effing $20, I don't, mate. <laughs> you know, so there's, there's this price barrier, there's this perceived taste barrier and like you said, people are so ingrained in, you know, what their thoughts and, and, and what their preferences are that it takes a lot to change that. But Which is probably testament to your, your marketing back in the day, right? <laughs> <laughs> you were doing a good job. Oh, you, you mean category navigation? <laughs> <laughs> so where, um, where does Brumanity go from here then? What's the, say, five-year plan? Five-year plan? We haven't, have we got a five-year plan, Foxy? We've got a, yeah, we've got we've got a, got a, a shorter term. <laughs> we've got a shorter <laughs> term plan. Those barcodes don't put themselves on, <laughs> yeah, do they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I think um, there's a few things that we want to be able to do. And right now we're bringing out a couple of different styles of beer. We want to, um, we want to sort of look and play with different beer, beer varietals. Uh, I mean, we, we don't have our own brewery, so we don't have the luxury to do that at, at our sort of at a whim. But uh, we've just started a little partnership with uh, Hopscotch on South Bank. They've got a little uh, three-heck brewery, so we're doing an oyster stout out of that. And then we're going to be doing uh, the, the next beer out of that. I think we're going to do a play on a Berliner Weisse. Yeah. So we're gonna, we want to play a little bit with different beer varietals. Yeah, I think like for sure our number one thing is we're, we're, we've said that we're a beer company. Right? And we're, we're very proud to be part of the community Um you know, there's there's our there's our cause element within that, um, but there's also being part of being part of the craft brewing industry and and actually testing different styles, uh, getting getting different experiences under our belt, um, so that when we when we at at the end of the day when we say the beer is good, the beer will be good. 
you know, because yeah. we tried and tested. Yeah, and then and, and look, and we want to be able to get our own space. We want to be able to do that off our own own volition, I guess. But but look, there's a hell of a lot of breweries, a lot of people opening breweries at the moment. Is everyone going to survive? Prob- no. Um, so part of what we want to do is to be able to to to, to play, um, in, enjoy craft um, because making the social beast is great, but it's not really why we got into this whole thing. The enjoyment comes from different styles, different yeah. flavor fro- flavor profiles, talking about different beers. So we we need to be able to do that, um, but get to a stage where we're comfortable to then say, right, let's go and get our own space and get a home and invite people in, and you know, if we grow. Um, if we grow in the right way, you know, if we grow. If we grow within our own means, the last thing we want to do is invest in, you know, a few million into a little bespoke brewery and that then dictates what we have to do. We sort of just rather grow within our own skin um, to a certain level and then go, okay, let's go to step two, let's go to step three. So Conversation comes up a couple of times a year um, about uh, beer at sporting events. Do you think you'll have a leg up potentially getting into any stadiums? We're going to give it a red hot go. Yeah, good I don't think we've got a ch- chance in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the news today? Um, McCullough and the Danish brewery, but they've just opened a brewery in the Met Stadium. Well, they're opening a brewery in Met Stadium yeah. soon, so you can go along to the baseball and get beer brewed eh? on site by an independent brewer. Yeah, so I know the amazing. Sydney Cricket Ground tried to do it when they were doing their new stand there, but it just ended up being a, you know, a facade. Um, but I, I don't think the day's long before you have a little brewery within a sporting stadium. You know, US is incredible. I went to the Craft Brewers Festival in the US a few years ago and, you know, everywhere you went from the from the lounge to the to the coffee shop, it was just all over. It was fantastic and it won't be long before that happens. If we can be part of that, that'd be great. I reckon at least by next year's big freeze, you'll have kegs on. Well, you know, <laughs> that'd be, that'd he, he, he'll, he'll kick oh. me, but there's a bar in the MCG called the David oh, Neeks yeah. Bar. And uh, <laughs> it. it's got to have. <laughs> exactly. I need, we needed some sort of petition to be made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If any man can do it. Just walk in and be like, hang on, my name's here. Yeah. Why is the... Why is my beer not here? What? <laughs> Last time I walked in, because it's very highly embarrassing to walk into your own bar at the MCG with <laughs> packed out, <laughs> packed out game or something, but. Um, I, uh, the last time I walked in was because my mate said, uh, they, they lured me in there and said, oh, we're, we're coming here, you must come in. And as soon as I walked in, the whole place erupted. They've, they've, <laughs> they've started cheering and chanting and <laughs> calling me for me to shout the bar. <laughs> 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 it was uh, horrendous. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, look, if we can get a little social beast going on, that'd be, that'd be very nice. Do you at least get free beer in your own bar? I got a couple of free ones that day, so that was, that was good. <laughs> Anything you guys want to add before we finish up about you've got a captive audience, plug your product as much as you can. Uh, or just from me and I'll let the big fella finish off. I, I just, uh, you know, thanks for your time today. It's been great. I hope, um, I hope you know, that uh, people sort of get what we're about. Um, I know there's a degree of scepticism when you've sort of got a causal element and you've got a footy player and you've got a bloke from CUB and you've got this, uh, this beer. It's a, it's a, it was a bad idea to start this <laughs> business, Roxy. <laughs> but, but, but People have the same conversation about Bolter, though. Yeah, yeah, we're just, yeah, just yeah, well, hitting home runs. So. But, yeah. but where we're at is, where we're, at is uh, we're just having an awful lot of fun. We're getting a real lot of buy-in to what we're doing. And uh, I just ask people, to the, anyone that's doing good stuff in beer, just have a look at it, um, you know, understand what it's all about. Um, and we're getting, we're getting, to be honest, really welcomed into to the beer community in a big, big way. So that's fantastic. I mean, it's a real basic sort of um, philosophy, but I think a lot of people entrenched in the beer community share it. And if the beer is good, they'll keep drinking it. And also, I've always kind of wondered why the beer community doesn't do a whole lot charity-wise. And I guess it's because margins are quite small. But, you know, you see these small businesses that are um, – it's all about local and being supportive and – it's picking up more and more now, but you know, five years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of sort of charitable things happening from the the craft beer community. So, if the beer's good and it's doing good, then it's you know, for me, it's always almost a no-brainer. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. It, it, you're right. It is. It's, it stems from that local local sort of um, place, and I think there probably are um, brewers and breweries doing good things in their community. I mean, even I mean, it's a Probably opening up another can of worms, but you look at the amount of people that that uh, that craft beer is em- em- employing, 
Um, it's it's opening up a whole lot of uh, um, growth opportunities for for that. Um, there's 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 a lot that in the in local communities that that in tourism and all those types of different things that that, that we're doing. And I know I know that uh, you know bigger guys like Stone and Wood are doing things. Smaller guys have been doing things along the way as well. Um, but yeah, I guess for us it's um, the the, the personalisation of it is it stems from where we began and part of why we began. And it's really it's a real mm. personal thing for us. So um, yeah, but anyway, aside from all of that, because we, we are finishing off, I just hope people enjoy the beer. Um, if you haven't given it a go, give it a go, um, and look out for us as we bring out some more beers, and and hopefully we can have a bit of fun along the way as well. Yeah, fantastic, awesome. Thanks so much, guys. And yeah, we look forward to, to seeing what Brumanly has to offer in the future. Cheers. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Welcome back. How was that? I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Hope you enjoyed it, listener. Yes. Uh, and, but I, I mean, buy their beer. It's, yeah. it's, like <laughs> a, it's a great cause. Yep. It's such a brutal um, disease, MND. So mm. anything that can help out is uh, much appreciated. And I think we were, they're doing a degustation thing for the next beer launch as well. So yes. I don't know if that's open to the public or if it's a trade event, but uh, keep your eyes, keep your eyes peeled and open. If it's open to the public, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put it out there. Now, Dave, you want to make a recommendation? Sure. What do you reckon we should start with? Whatever you think. All right, we'll Dave's choice. Beer, perhaps. Sure. Um, I was. I went and bought a six some six beers from Grape and Grain in Moorabbin, and I got a text from you saying. Co-conspirators, matriarch, get it, and then I shot back a text going, "I got it." Yeah, it was sitting You're in way my ahead of it me. was sitting in my fridge, and that made me go, "Ooh, I will give that a go." Then, um, delicious. Yeah, good. Gra- a great example of that style. You feel like if there's going to be a flurry of New England slash juicy IPAs that come out, and the cream rice at the top, mm. that's probably going to be one of the ones that hangs around. I reckon. Mm. Um, their beers as a whole, everything I've had has been really good. Uh, I think the Red IPA launch, I can't remember what it was called, uh, was the first time I'd ever, that was their first beer launch. Yeah, right. I met the team and they were all really lovely. And so it's uh, two couples that started it and that's, they came out of a homebrew group. Same homebrew group that um, Old Wives Ales. Yeah, right. Um, who's another another brewery doing similar things. And called the Merry Mashes. So just on that, sorry. Oh, did, were you sorry, done with the uh, origin say, story? Yeah. Um, yeah, all really lovely people, and, and the the red IPA that I had was was really nice, and I've had a couple others since, and everything's been really good. So I hadn't tried anything prior to that of theirs, um, because I've got my own suspicions. When I see super slick marketing of a brand, I don't know. I think because we've seen that happen with poor results beer wise in the past, I'm a bit scarred by that. Yeah, yeah. And I needed that push to make me try it. Yeah. Um, Delicious. Mm. I'd be, I would not hesitate to buy any of their beers now. But mm. um, you know what I mean mm. about that, yeah. like real slick marketing out of yeah, the gates? So their cans all have a, their own identity. Sort of character yeah. um, with the same uh, sort of visual style. Mm. And they look great. Mm. But um, that kind of like real like out of the gates mm. slick marketing, I don't mm. know, it makes me a little bit wary sometimes. Speaking of Also, sli- co-conspirators is a bit of a mouthful. It is a mouthful. I guess it's the – they call themselves the two couples, the co-conspirators and the – and the whole thing. Yeah, fair enough. Makes sense. Well, I'm sure the more you look into it, the more sense it makes, yeah. Uh, they've got a vanilla bean porter over there, which on the counter we've got here at Otter's Promise that I might take a sneaky bottle home I don't home even see it. it. Where is that? Uh, oh, a bottle? Yeah, oh, I yeah. thought they were canning everything. No, no, so some bottles. So, yeah, right, okay. Uh, I think they're brewing at different places. I'm not sure where they're actually brewing everything. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. But, I mean, great beer if you see it. I mean, I'm. it's all. It's a bit of a two, a, a two-pronged recommendation. Mm. Like, I enjoyed that... that um, New England IPA so much that like my recommendation is get that beer, but then get the rest of their beers because yep. I'm pre- I'm prepared to give them a, give them a go. Yeah, nice. How's how about you? Speaking of slick marketing, yep. uh, I'm gonna recommend Pirate Life. Who right? are they? Sure, we've recommended in the yeah. past, but I grabbed a six pack of their pale, their New Zealand pale. Yeah, it's one that I've tried a few times and I've never really. To be honest, it's been a bit nothing every time I've tried it, and I think it's maybe I've tried it on tap rather yep. than at home. Well, I've I've 
I bought a can. I mean, because I'll buy a can of anything they, they put out. Yeah, I wasn't that much of a fan of it. I thought the uh, hop profile didn't work for me. Yeah. But uh, go on. Oh, yeah. but So I got a six-pack the other day and it really worked for me. It yeah. doesn't – it's called New Zealand Pale. I don't know if it's – when I think of New Zealand Pale, I think probably cleaner and crisper. This is probably a bit more floral and a bit more soft in the mouthfeel. If I'm not mistaken, the – uh, hop profile is a bit more floral and earthy yeah. than the, their other range. Would yeah, it's quite different from the other yeah. range. But if, if they bought it out and called it, um, you know, a XPA or an IPA, I think my impression of it wouldn't have been So you think the um, evocative nature of um, New existing Zealand? New Zealand IPAs? Yeah, yeah, for sure. New Zealand pails. Uh, but yes, over a course of a six-pack, it was really, really delicious. And yeah. I would well, I'm, I'm going to try it again, I think. Cool. Non what are we beer. up to? Non, non beer. beer. All right. You listen to a podcast, so you must enjoy podcasts. So I'm going to give you another absolute ripper. Comedian from the uh, from New York, Ari Shafir. Uh, people might be know he's got a uh, double Netflix special coming out uh, next week, I believe. So um, check that out as well. But I'm going to recommend his got a couple of podcasts, but the one I'm going to recommend is called Skeptic Tank. Essentially, it is him doing a bit of a deep dive on anything fantastic a little bit. So I think if you're a hypothopod fan, uh, do yourself a favor. He's a very, uh, he's a really, really excellent interviewer uh, in the sense that he's just a a very curious person and asks good questions. And he's a comedian, so he makes makes, uh, things funny. But he, it's, uh, they're really excellent shows. They're long form, so all the ones that I've listened to so far are between sort of two and a half and four and a half hour podcasts. The one that got me into it, he um, recently just pieced out at the end of last year. He's a, he's a single guy who had finished recording a TV show, uh, had made some good money from a recent tour, and then he just pieced out and went to he went oh, he yeah. went overseas for three or four months. Yeah. Uh, he went to uh, Myanmar uh, and travelled around there for a while. And um, his return podcast was a four and a half hour breakdown of what he saw in Myanmar, had some, a couple of chats with some locals, had a chat with uh, a friend that he had who lives in Myanmar, um, just about what life and culture is like there. And it was like, it's an, it's an unmissable episode. It's unbelievable. It makes you want to like... Pack up everything and go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or just do any kind of like non-touristy traveling. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it really like puts you in that mind frame. So, uh, and the couple of episodes since then, he does it weekly. Have been uh, belters. He did one. I think I told you about it, it when we went to Bendigo. It was the um, the Sidu uh, like behavioral school. In, oh yeah, uh, yeah. In Vermont. Uh, which is essentially it was like a a, a a cult. You send your kids there and forget about them to be brainwashed. Basi- right? Well, basically, it's a two and a half year where there's no visitation. They live there, uh, and there was the stories of abuse, and I think even like a couple of kids got killed yeah. there. Uh, like a crazy story. But he talked to a guy that went through the whole thing and came out not brainwashed like he, like with total understanding and some pretty deep resentment of his parents afterwards which uh, is yeah, pretty reasonable yeah, yeah. yeah uh but uh highly recommend it skeptic tank irish afia look it up all right nice one uh, i'm gonna recommend an album yeah it's not a new Photo album. album no no okay. no a uh a musical album sure i actually have this on uh vinyl uh record Ooh. long playing form record nice. But I was listening to it on Spotify the other day and I forgot how much I enjoyed it. Uh, it's a punk band from the early days of punk mm-hmm. uh, called X-Ray Specs. Mm-hmm. And the album is Germ-Free Adolescence. It's kind of an iconic album. One of the kind of, I don't know if you're going to put top 20 most influential punk albums. I think that'll be uh, definitely in the mix. Uh, it's so good. And it's kind of the snotty, bratty punk that, say if there's a snotty, bratty, whiny punk song in a movie... That's it's what that sounds specs, like. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Or that's just that. It's, it's, just, that, it's the exact sound. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, if you if you feel like putting on some some angry punk and, and dancing around, this is a, a good one to do. Good, good rack. Speaking of Otter's Promise, where we're sitting right now. Yes. Uh, I am 
going to be hosting a tasting here this month, July 22nd. It's probably aimed at... That sounds like a Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Saturday. Saturday, okay. Uh, aimed at kind of entry-level... Well, not entry-level, but a bit of an overview of some dark beers from Australia. Um, we'll try five different dark beers across five different styles. And uh, it's 25 bucks to come along for a bit of a chat. Low-key, but if you've got someone that you th- want to introduce to dark beer and they're a little bit uh, reluctant or recalcitrant. Yep. Then, this uh, is a low-risk way of trying some different ones. Yeah, definitely. And any, anyone that subscribes to the Patreon at the $10 level up will get some special pours Ooh, of a sneaky bottle. Just a little bit of uh, Luke Cellar. Uh, it certainly is, wow. yeah. Um, okay. Something I've had in there for maybe five years that's probably nice. ready to go. Um Bourbon barrel aged imperial stout from America. Ooh, that's about a while. That sounds pretty fun. So yeah, check it out, um, or, or send it send it to your friends if you think they might like it. Um, and they're on this side of the city. If you're not, it's close to the station. Yeah, it is Get close to the, the side station. Of the city. Uh, check out also the previously mentioned hypothetical institute. Yep, my conspiracy. What podcast. are you attacking next? Oh, good question. Oh, I can't remember. I know. Oh, maybe Bermuda Triangle. And something else. Oh, the West West or Westfall UFO incident here in a. In Australia, uh, I don't know much about either, so it'll be interesting. We just did crop circles, yeah, uh, which was fun. Did you get to the bottom of it? Yeah, it turns out it's kind of been solved for years. Oh, okay. It's just those dudes that said they did it years yeah, ago. Okay, but yeah, it was fun. Who's, to whose principle is it that the uh, that the most logical explanation, the simplest explanation, is up with the truth? Oh, Occam's razor. Yes, yeah, Occam's yeah. Razor. definitely Occam's razor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we. That that one we uncovered a uh, some a bit of banter about Corn, the uh, rap rock band from the the nineties. Corn. Oh, Corn. Yeah. Oh, you said horn. No. With no. H. Okay. So they they come into it. Uh, how? You have to tune in and find out. Yeah. Where can people find you, Dave? Find me at Melb. Dave, send me an email. Dave at aleofatime How about you, my good friend? Luke at aleofatime and at aleofatime everywhere. Good internets are found. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you in a fortnight. Yeah.